Hi, my name is Ryan Reagan, and welcome to the first episode of the Monday Morning Music Podcast. Uh, today is our first episode, so I'm just going to be going through a few basic details, not really speaking about anything uh, in too much length in particular. Uh, later on, I'm going to have a guest from my friend Luke Ronane. He is a junior at CBA, like me. Uh, we have a couple classes together, and we've definitely uh, bonded through our similar tastes in music. So. I'd hope to get some good conversation out of that today. I think we both have a lot to talk about together in that regard. So first, I would like to talk about the weekends. Uh, by his good friends, he's known by his first name, Abel, or his good fans, I should say. Uh, and it kind of goes without saying that he is one of the more prominent artists in the mainstream at the moment if not the most prominent artist. He has 68 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Uh, that's good for number two in the world. And that comes after releasing After Hours last year in 2020, early 2020. Highly anticipated album, very good album. Many considered it to be his best album. And strangely, it was not nominated for any Grammys. And it's speculated that that is because Abel, or The Weeknd, otherwise known, uh, accepted an offer to perform at the Super Bowl. And the Grammys wanted him to perform at their show, and he chose to perform at the Super Bowl. So as retaliation, they did not end up nominating him. Uh, of course, this is just speculation. There's not necessarily any truth behind this. These are just rumors. But it's something interesting to think about because After Hours was the biggest album of 2020. That's not to be disputed. Put up the best numbers and many consider it to be the best album of 2020, regardless of genre. So with that considered, that is the reason that these rumors had spread uh, when that was announced because why would the best album perhaps of the year not be nominated for single Grammy. It's just something to think about how, in that regard, it kind of shows how little awards matter for something like that. I mean, this is a very good album. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I've liked The Weeknd for a while. I do prefer some of his earlier stuff, in my opinion, Trilogy, uh, those three mixtapes. I really like House of Balloons, but, I can't deny that After Hours is a good project. And since then, he's released the highlights, his greatest hits mix. And he also released to Spotify the original mixing of House of Balloons, which many people consider that to be his best album, aside from After Hours. If not, that would be considered by many to be better. Uh, heavily debated topic in his fandom. Anyway, he... He is a good artist. I mean, obviously he's putting up great numbers, but something that is interesting about The weekend is that many of the artists in the mainstream today, this might be a controversial statement, but a lot of mainstream artists aren't really putting out the artistic, putting out an artistic performance like perhaps some less popular or underground artists and are rather putting out music that is simply just engineered to produce streams. And although The weekend obviously is putting up a lot of streams, it's putting up huge numbers, 2 billion streams on Blinding Lights, 
several songs with billion streams on Spotify. But I don't really think that's his number one priority. Like you could say someone like Drake, perhaps that is what he's going for. Uh, we'll get to that a little later, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that he has sacrificed all that much in favor of money or in favor of streams. I think his qualities held up over the last eight years since he first uh, released Trilogy onto streaming services, which is something that makes him so great. I mean, his voice is very good. He's a good songwriter. Subject matter is a little touchy for some people, but I think it really holds up and I think it should stand the test of time, whereas someone like Drake may not. Well, Drake, the thing about Drake is he started out a phenomenal artist. He's still a phenomenal artist. I'm not going to deny that. But his first projects, let's see, I'll pull it up right now. Drake's first two albums, So Far Gone, Thank Me Later, pretty good, solid first two albums. For an artist who's kind of just setting their feet in the industry, and then came Take Care, Nothing Was the Same. Those two albums, easily to me, and I think to a lot of other people, were two of the better rap albums of the 2010s. Take Care and Nothing Was the Same. Both have very good features. Drake delivers on verses very well. It's very well produced. Overall, the artistic quality of those albums, I mean, artistically, sonically, the songwriting's good, the production's good, everything about those albums, very good. Then comes, if you're reading this, it's too late. That is a highly debated album. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't, I think he definitely takes a step down between 2013 and 2015 from nothing was the same to, if you're reading this, I, I don't think it's as, I don't think the artistic quality is there like it was. And I think, I think what Drake realized was that he could make some serious money doing what he was doing. If, he made it a little bit more palatable for a wider audience. So I think that's what he did. And I don't blame him. I mean, one of the most popular artists in the world, a lot of people love him. He sells out stadiums, billions of streams. You can't really complain about a life like that. But I think when you're thinking of the greatest or the best rapper or artist of all time, I don't really think you can put Drake in that conversation because of that reason, because he kind of sacrificed his artistic quality of the music in favor of making money and scoring streams. And it's kind of unfortunate because he, I think he had a lot of potential and I mean, he could still pump out some good albums, but Certified Lover Boy, which was expected to come in January, it's delayed because he had surgery, so he didn't finish recording the album, but Unfortunately, I expect kind of more of the same of that album. I don't think that's really going to be a showstopper, like nothing was the same or take care, but I certainly love some good songs. I mean, Scorpion, his latest full-length project, not counting Dark Lane demo tapes, more of an EP, but Scorpion was his most recent LP, 25 songs. There's certainly some good songs on there, but not really the same quality as his two best projects. 
the thing about Scorpion, I think there's a little too many songs, in my opinion. I don't think 25 songs, it's an hour and a half. That's long. I don't think that's an, I think that's too many songs to really have like a solid album. Consider that to be like a classic album, which a lot of people, I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. It's not as good as some of his older work. And that, that's just my opinion, though. I'm, I don't really prefer, I don't dislike his music, but I kind of prefer when I'm listening to rap, kind of a different experience, like Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West. I know they're kind of different, but sort of that, that taste, if you will. For that matter, that's something I feel like that's a path Kanye could have gone down and ultimately didn't. This, his first three albums, College Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation. Three very solid albums. And don't get me wrong, he sold a lot of copies. He made a lot of money in those three years, in his first three albums. Three or four years. But I, I don't necessarily think he sacrificed the artistic quality of his music. And I, I know I sound a little pretentious saying that, but the way that Drake kind of switch to a commercial a commercial artist i don't think kanye really made that switch and al although he certainly has some music that does not sound at a place on the radio or playing in a store or something like that i mean stronger power heartless all these songs very palatable very well known famous made a lot of money off them but I think I, when, at the end of the day, I think his projects are a lot more complete. I think almost all of his projects beat nothing was the same or take care. Aside from maybe Jesus King, not counting any collaborations with other artists. I think Jesus King is the only solo project that doesn't really hold up. All the all of Kanye's other projects, I think, are kind of up to par with Drake's best. And as a Kanye fan myself, that's kind of unfortunate considering Drake's success over Kanye and the beef that they had and they still have, it's definitely still present. It's kind of, kind of unfortunate to see, but uh, I don't think Kanye is necessarily striving towards making money at this point in his career and racking up streams. I think, I think looking back as far as 2013 with, the release of Yeezus, he kind of abandoned any, maybe not all, but most of the, most of the aspect of his music in which he was like pursuing an entirely commercial success, a successful drop in which you would make a lot of money. And Yeezus was very, exper ex very experimental. A lot of people didn't really like it uh i certainly like it i didn't really like it at first but it grew on me but i think that's where i would point to the turning point in his music where he kind of said hey i've been successful i've been in the game for almost 10 years now uh and i i'm kind of tired of making music for other people i'm going to start making music for myself and that's kind of what he did with the exception of maybe the life of pablo because that's that's an interesting project because he had a lot of different collaborations on that project that he hadn't had 
there's nothing really comparable to that in his discography, uh, which I think that in and of itself is an entirely different artistic approach. But a lot of the songs in there kind of sound like they're a little manufactured. Father Stretch My Hands, part one, part two, both of those produced by Metro Boomin. Uh, and that kind of makes it sound like he was going for more of a trap approach, which he's a little more unfamiliar with. But I think that in and of itself represents kind of an artistic leap. Uh, and then after that, Yay, Kids See Ghost, Jesus is King, all three of those certainly kind of out of left field. Not to say that they're bad. I love all these albums, but definitely a different artistic approach. And kind of, he was clearly not prioritizing any commercial aspect while making these. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think I'm going to wrap up this intro portion and I'm going to have on my good friend Luke Ronan to continue this discussion. Uh, this is uh, my guest, Luke Ronan. He's a junior at CBA, a good friend of mine, and we've done a lot of bonding over our mutual music tastes. We share a lot of favorite artists. Uh, so today we are going to go through three albums that we both enjoy, and we're just kind of going to discuss what makes them good, what's not so good about them, the significance. So we're going to start with an album I mentioned earlier, The Life of Pablo by Kanye West. So what do you what do you really like about Life of Pablo? Well, like Life of Pablo, I just like how controversial it is. Like a lot of people think it's like his best album, but like a lot of people also like don't like it at all. But what I really like about it is like it's Kanye at his most raw. It's like the most Kanye Kanye album, if that makes sense. And um, I, I a lot of people see it as just, him like sounding stupid but he actually has like a lot of deep meaning behind this album because like the life of pablo he's he's talking about how he himself embodies like all these different people like pablo picasso uh, uh pablo escobar and like the apostle paul so i think it's it's just a great mix of all those different things yeah i agree and one thing about it that i find is kind of interesting is it's kind of like a mix between him trying to be commercial and him kind of going outside of the box. And one thing I would say is like father stretch my hands where he works with uh, young Metro Metro boom. And it's like the first time he really raps over trap beat kind of in his whole career on one of his own projects. And on one hand, that's kind of something, especially in 2016, that was going to get you a lot of streams and you're going to make a lot of money if you were going over a trap beat. But on the other hand, like, for Kanye, that was really kind of experimental. Like that was the first time he had done something like that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why they, I feel like it's like the culmination of everything. Cause like you have like the old Kanye with like the uh, school series, obviously. And then you have him going in a different direction, being really raw on Twisted Fantasy and then being extremely experimental on Yeezus. I feel like he really bonds those with like you were saying, he, he's, he's going in all different directions. I think it comes together really well. Yeah, pulls together a lot of the elements of his previous projects. And the one, the one thing about it that I think brings it down is there, there's kind of like a lot of fluff, I would say. Like there's a couple songs on there. Uh, here, I'll, I'll bring it up. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Compare it, like if you were to compare it to Dark Fantasy, which arguably like has only good songs uh like silver surfer intermission like i get i that's an interlude obviously but i mean you're not listening to that it's like a voicemail 
Frank's track, yeah. that's a good song. That's really short, though. Yeah, by no means is it a perfect album. Yeah. But with, as you can Very see, raw, though. Songs, I, I agree with Yeah, that. but I, I feel like that's also a reason why I like it so much. It's just like raw Kanye. Yeah, exactly. And like songs like, like Real Friends, for example, like that's the most pure you're going to get. Like that's the biggest Kanye sentiment, him speaking truly from the heart. Like you're not going to get anything more raw than something like that. Yeah, and I think that's like, what really makes the redeeming redeeming qualities of it too yeah exactly all right moving on we're gonna kind of move away from rap music for a second and we're gonna talk about pink floyd's album animals uh what do you like about animals well just to start animals is one of if not my favorite album ever and i just love how concrete of an idea um roger waters went in with and how he executed that perfectly mm-hmm. i mean as you can see it's only five tracks two of the tracks being under two minutes long and it's just it's so great how it like it just mixes so many things like we said with the life pop but it's, it it takes such like a concrete ideals going with with the critique of um capitalism in britain and like the weight of society on the average person and how he uses combines that with like the symbolism with the animals and he makes allusions to old works like um, the Animal Farm, and then also just how it sounds absolutely amazing. It has some of the best guitar solos ever. Yeah, I like. I really like the way they kind of like build up to it, and the symbolism is something I feel like is kind of very digestible to the to like the average person, especially especially if you're not listening to like that deeper meaning, like pigs, dogs, sheep. Like that's kind of something everyone obviously will relate to because you know all of those animals right but they really do tie into like the central theme like dogs being like the businessmen like dogs similar to wolves like they're fighting for scraps essentially and then the pigs who are like big and fat like to put it crudely but yeah pigs three different ones i don't know exactly but it's talking about three specific people uh in britain during that time i don't know if that's like public but the song specifically speaks of three different people that like Roger Waters hates because of them like hoarding capital. And that's kind of what the whole album's about. Yeah. Uh, and I, the thing that's interesting, like you said, it references Animal Farm, the George Orwell book. And the one main difference between the two is the book is a critique of communism and this is a critique of capitalism. But I think especially in 1977 when the cold war was kind of coming to a close almost uh that was a lot more i would say a lot more relatable almost because communism was no longer as pressing of an issue in the western world and in the uk as something like capitalism like where you could really start to see the flaws with right well it's very emblematic of its time Exactly. And I like how you mentioned the build-up portion because I feel like that's what makes it so much better. Like a lot of songs nowadays, like you get these crazy beat drops, but it's after like two minutes of music, you know, a dog's like that amazing part around like 14 minutes, 10 seconds. Like you have to wait 14 minutes to get there, but it's amazing when you get there. And also with like um, the last song with the animal's sheep, how um, it's like the revolution at the end, but you have to wait that whole that 17 minutes of dog and however long uh, pigs is to get there. I, I feel like that just makes it all the better. Yeah. And the, the thing that's interesting, the intro and the closing tracks, pigs on the wing one and two, 
obviously they tie into the narrative, but this three songs that make up the body, dogs, pigs, and sheep, all symbolize different members of society with the dogs being like the businessmen, the upper class, the pigs being the 1% and the sheep kind of being everyone else. And like you, you'll hear sheep all now a lot nowadays, kind of referring to people who just like go with the flow and follow whatever they're told. But it's kind of like, it's a very interesting metaphor to me, the way that it was written. And I feel like that was kind of very ahead of its time because it's still something that's so prevalent in today's society, especially in America. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. And I like how you mentioned the intro and closing track because they really show how like there's still hope in society. Like those three middle tracks, you're like, wow, things are really bad. Like, yeah. I don't know how we're going to do this. But then what water shows with like that, the change from the intro to conclusion, how like those personal relationships in your life, like he's talking about with his wife, can really um, lessen the weight of the stone, as he calls it, which is like the weight of society. Yeah, exactly. And Pigs on the Wing in specific, Pigs on the Wing 1, uh, talks about, first of all, it's a love song, but it kind of talks about, if you are to apply it to like an overarching theme of society, it talks about um, like what the world would be like if people didn't really have empathy. And I feel like what he's implying is that's kind of where the world is going and it'll be a dark place when people no longer care for each other uh and like you were saying with his wife there's kind of a duality to the first song because he's saying life wouldn't be the same if i didn't care about you but then again like if nobody cared for each other what would be the point of living at all yeah exactly uh okay i think we got a pretty good analysis of animals and moving on to our final album we're gonna go kind of take a right turn go back to rap and talk about some rap songs by earl sweatshirt so obviously we've we've talked about this before in private, not on this podcast or whatever, but what are your thoughts on some rap songs? Well, speaking of controversial albums, I would say this is arguably the most controversial in terms of how people like it. I've seen people call it the best rap album ever and people call it a zero out of 10. Yeah. So like, I feel like when anyone makes any type of music that's like that, like that, no matter how good or bad it actually is, like it's a statement to make something like that. So I feel like that's part of what makes it so good. And like we were saying with the other two albums, they're just, ex it's extremely raw with like most of the songs being under two minutes and Earl's just like pouring his heart out with like almost like just directly from his life over these like amazing beats that he makes. Yeah. And it's just so obscure, but also, like I said, so raw that makes it the unique like masterpiece that it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think how raw it is, is really makes it so good. And I think that comes not only from his voice and the actual words he's putting out, the lyricism, but also from the production, which he put a lot of the production together himself. And it's very minimalist. There's hardly anything going on. Uh, and there's a lot of jazz samples, which really, I wouldn't say are out of the ordinary now because that's starting to take an upturn, but he was a pioneer in like an avant-garde jazz, like sampling production. But I think that went very well with kind of the theme of the album, which was like loss and depression. And ultimately I think the production keys in most to that theme, because as you're listening to it, if you listen to it all the way through, you can definitely tell like this, the sound is really kind of what he was feeling. Like there's not a lot going on and it's kind of just, he's feeling like lost almost. Right. And to add on to that with the production, like, the production speaks for itself as you see in the last track it's 
called Riot, there's no words at all. It's just an instrumental, but then somehow it's able to wrap up all those feelings that were culminating throughout the album into just this perfect short instrumental that I feel like just sums up exactly how Earl's feeling without him even having to say anything. So I've, I feel like that just shows how amazing the production on this project is. Exactly. And which this is something that I feel like does not apply to very many, if at all, other good lyrical rap albums is that the actual lyrics kind of take a backseat at times to the production. Like you said, Riot, the last song is all instrumental. And then there's a couple songs. There's one in particular at the end. I'm kind of drawing a blank which song it is, but it's a speech his mother gives overlaid by a poem that his father uh, read. Uh, yeah. So I was playing Possum. It's the second to last track. And the album comes after uh, Earl learns of the death of his father and he's kind of mourning and he's going through the mourning process. And I think that's very telling because his father left him at a very young age and his relationship with his mother was kind of strained in his teen years, especially during like his uh, tenure with Odd Future. And having kind of dual, a duality between the words of his mother and his father, both relationships were kind of damaged at one point. And having that play such an instrumental role in like an emotional album like this is very telling of his mental state, I'd say. Yeah, and um, I know we were saying how unique the album is, but I feel like with what you're talking about there, you can really see the influences. Like exactly. with him opening up, about these things um you can obviously see like uh inspirations from people like kid cuddy who were the pioneers in the rap game to really open up about personal issues on these songs and also like you're mentioning with the jazz beats i would i would say like one of the biggest points of inspiration for this would be like smoke butterfly by kendrick because mm -hmm. that's like one of the most um the biggest mixes of hip-hop and jazz that had happened up to that time yeah so i feel like those two artists definitely played a significant role in influencing it uh yeah and i feel this i feel like this is a very influential album not necessarily in the mainstream but this album is a mainstream by any means but kind of in the underground uh rap scene i don't know are you familiar with like red veil yeah also like mike and uh mavi that those those and people too are also all those really guys this had a huge influence on them and this album alone i feel like kind of caused like an explosion in the underground rap scene and really changed things up under the surface a lot yeah, of people really yeah a lot of people wouldn't necessarily notice that because this i'm sure this album many people haven't even heard of this let alone the albums that it inspired but for people who kind of do pay attention to the stuff going on under the surface, this really had a huge impact. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like definitely the three albums we covered today are, are definitely influential in their own rights and definitely have taken on a lot of influence from others, whether that be in the music industry or outside, like we see with, um, with like the figures Kanye references or like the things in society that uh, Waters references. Yeah, all right, thank you. I think this was pretty good. That was my friend Luke Ronan. As you can tell, he definitely knows what he's talking about. I'm very happy with the way that that went. I thought we had a pretty good dialogue about the three albums that we chose. Um, I thought those were pretty three pretty good albums to talk about. On the surface, they don't really seem to have many similarities, but I mean, ultimately, we were able to tie them all together.
Uh, with that being said, the fact that we use two rap albums and one like progressive rock album, I guess you could say animals is, I think that definitely has something to say about the interconnectedness, interconnectedness of the music industry, especially in the past four or five decades, you can really kind of all tie all of it together. I mean, animals obviously is going to be a jump straight to and from Kanye West, but the fact that they share kind of a similar underlying theme is really quite interesting in my opinion. And I feel like to go kind of on a sidebar, I feel like Pink Floyd kind of exists as a, a stop on, an, on the pipeline uh, of a developing music taste, kind of starting with Kanye West. I know that's about where I started listening to Kanye, kind of going through his discography. And then eventually I hit Pink Floyd. And I know, I mean, Luke kind of followed a similar path. Um, and I know kind of Pink Floyd's kind of just a step on that route once you're progressing and expanding your music taste. So I don't really have much else to add. Uh, I'd just like to say, I, I think this was, I think good progress was made. I think this was very productive um, and I'm glad with the way that my interview went. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Monday Morning Music Podcast and I'll see you next episode.